Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. We're cruising at 35,000 feet. The captain has said you can unfasten your seatbelt, settle back, have an adult beverage, grab a honey-coated peanut, and uh, let's enjoy the show. So I got a text over the weekend, which leads into my guest, from a friend of mine who is a retired radiologist, one of the world's leading radiologists. And he says to me, Savage, it always amazes me how often you are right. I didn't know what he's referring to. He said, check out today's article in the New York Post by Scott Atlas, M.D., Scott was a brilliant neuroradiologist who wrote one of the best books in the field and was way ahead of neuroradiology at Stanford. Hope you're relaxed on this beautiful day. Stay well. Best, H. So I looked up the article on uh, this subject. Science says it's time to start easing the lockdowns. And I'm very proud to tell you we were lucky enough to get Dr. Scott Atlas on the show right now. Dr. Atlas, great article. Thanks for being with us. Sure. Thanks for having me. Now, I agree with you for sure. How do you scientifically make the case to reopen the country? On what basis would you recommend it be done? Sure. We, we've learned quite a bit since this started beyond the early projection models. Number one, there's a far lower risk of dying and a, a very, very small risk of dying, depending upon what your sort of age group and category is. Number two, we know that protecting those who are vulnerable uh, would alleviate any kind of hospital overcrowding. People are older and those with uh, underlying conditions. Number three, uh, we know that by doing this lockdown, we are we are focusing on COVID-19 at all costs in medical care. And what that means is that we are, really, people are dying. We are missing, let's just say, about half of people who have cancer who need chemotherapy are skipping it. 80% of brain tumor surgeries, brain surgeries are not being done. Acute stroke patients are not being seen. And the fourth big point is that we know from decades of virology and immunology and basic science that by restricting all interaction among people, we are eliminating the possibility and prolonging the development of population immunity. And we know that not just from virology in general, we also have decades of knowledge about the coronavirus family itself, which this virus is part of. So we know, given the, the great news, that half of people are asymptomatic that are infected and the overwhelming majority do not have a serious disease, that by virtue of them developing antibodies, and then uh, other people in low-risk groups also developing antibodies, that protects, that breaks up the network of infectivity to vulnerable people, and that's how populations become immune. That's why immunizations are done on a widespread basis, and that 
although we don't know the antibodies at this point are protective, it would be unexpected if they're not. And we know also, by the way, that scientists working on drug treatments for COVID-19 are thinking about things and investigating things like transfusing blood serum containing antibodies from people who've been infected, and those antibodies would become protective for people uh, who are, are getting that serum transfusion. That is one of the many drug categories being investigated right now all over the world. So that, that's a belief that, that the vast majority of scientists hold. So, Dr. Atlas, you're for opening up whole cities or just portions of the country? No, I'm for opening up uh, just, just uh, sort of the philosophy, really, that is correct, uh, done by Dr. Burks and the Trump Task Force. By everything is local. Everything is not New York City. And, but also a targeted uh, way to look at this. Targeted meaning protecting the vulnerable, uh, protecting strictly the people in nursing homes and senior care centers and regulated mm. centers, which should be easy. But mm. realizing that young people don't have a significant risk at all, there's, we can reopen schools. We don't have to have significant mm. social distancing for people mm. who are in their 20s who have mm. no significant risk of a serious disease. We just have to protect the vulnerable, allow the immunity to develop, and reopen society. And Dr. Atlas, are you being listened to by, by the Trump administration? I mean, you have the, the, the height of credentials. You are professor and chief of neuroradiology at Stanford Medical Center from 98 to 2012. You train more than 100 neuroradiology fellows. You are a scientist. You're a clinician. You're making the case to reopen the country in a logical way. I have been banging my head against a stone wall with Governor Newsom, frankly, with the president. I'm getting nowhere, and I've tried to reach them through email, through texts, and I don't know why they're not doing this. Have you been consulted by the team? I think uh, if you listen very carefully to what Dr. Burke says, She's super good, and in fact, there are, there are super great people on the president's uh, task force. This, this is about uh, strategically opening. They're looking at that also and doing a, uh, doing a, a great job at looking at that. Um, uh, this, this kind of information is, is all over the place right now. In fact, I'm being sort of inundated with, with interviews, and I'm dealing directly with people in the Senate, in the Congress, in the administration, et cetera. Good. So they're listening to you. Thank God. Uh, that you're being listened to. How did they get the model so wrong, though? I mean, you are saying they're all wonderful people. I'm not so sure of that, but we don't have to argue over that. It wouldn't get us anywhere. They, how did they get the model so wrong, which resulted in the shutdown of an entire nation? You know, when you look at models that are done uh, very early, they are by necessity dealing with very, very little fact and just simply mathematical mathematical all right so the early stages of it the projections were much higher right the early projections were that there's a fatality rate of three four five percent that's that's just not true that's wrong but we know that from the evidence what is it really zero one zero two well it's tough to say exactly but we're talking about the order of anywhere from maybe point one to point five percent it depends and it, it may be lower than that even. We just don't wow. know. The more people that we test and the more people we see, if we define an infection as somebody who's positive for the virus and has antibodies or, and or has antibodies, there's a far greater number of people who had the infection and a far lower risk of death. Amazing. So, Dr. Atlas, the article comes out in the Post. They're taking you, you know, they're finally re recognizing your expertise and what you're saying. That science says it's time to start easing the lockdowns. Why is there still resistance here in the state of California from Governor Newsom? You know, uh, there, there's a lot of different styles of, uh, of governing, and I, and I think it's sort of a, a, another conversation is what is the role of government in dictating mm. the behavior of people once you – because, you know, the fact is the policies – flattened the curve. Everyone really believes that. Flattening the curve was accomplished. Now we have to decide how to, you know, how to do things without harm. There's a massive amount of harm by continuing total economic and total people. I mm. 100% right. But you know, when this was uh, almost at its apex, I um, was trying to reach Governor Newsom in particular. 
And I said, look, here are the six counties that have zero cases or almost zero cases. Why don't you open them up? What is it one size fits all with you? And there was no movement. Why are the politicians so limited? Well, you can't answer that. I can't answer it either. They, they have more power than they've ever dreamed of, number one. And as you well know, bureaucrats love power. But, you know, you raised an interesting point, Dr. Atlas. You said their control of our entire society. That was an interesting statement. Well, Do they have the authority, actually, to close a nation down? Did they have this authority in these states? Yeah, well, I'm not a legal expert, but what I can tell you is that it seems uh, quite clear that fear has influenced public policy, and there is no place for fear. It should all be about science and uh, common sense and logic, not fear. And that is- okay, so then there's an article. San Francisco had the 1918 flu under control and lifted restrictions, and they got another resurgence. Are you at all concerned that we may see that with the lifting of restrictions? You know, I, I, I think that worst-case scenario projections don't need to be made when we see what's happened with this virus. So, uh, you know, I, I prefer to look at the evidence, which I've done, use basic science uh, knowledge and logic, and I think that what I'm outlining is the correct pathway. We know there could be another infection. We know, uh, but, you know, as we get later, by the way, we're far more prepared. There's been a tremendous mobilization of research hmm. that's been accomplished there's been a lot of knowledge to the society, to people in general, mm. about how to stay safe. We're mm. going to have probably new regulations on sanitization and rest. Mm. But that doesn't mean that's not the same thing as locking down society. Yes. So in other words, we are ready in a way. The hygiene level is much higher. I mean, I've been a hand washer all my life. That's how I was raised. And people used to think I had a neurosis. <laughs> now, I think everyone's now a hand washer. Okay. And um, know who to protect right now, which is, I think, very important. And we hope we know who that is really not at risk. To me, opening schools is very logical. Keeping them closed is not. And it also let me let me ask you this, Doctor Atlas. Working in the, in the nursing homes where we have lo- logically see a much higher um, rate of this disease or incidence of this disease. Uh, is it possible that the AIDS themselves? are bringing the virus into the homes? It's, it's absolutely possible. And one of the things I've outlined and in personal communication is that that's one area where I think there must be strict regulation, not only of who can enter and interact with nursing home and senior care center residents, but there's a place where I think mandated testing, prioritized testing, all those who interact with those people really must be cleared from carrying an infection. That is a moral obligation, really. The reason I ask such a loaded question, and I'm not trying to blame any particular group, but I'm being logical about it, as you are, is because when I mentioned this to the governor's office about these counties which had very low incidence uh, of the disease, I was told, yeah, but the nursing home had a big outbreak. So I'm I'm saying like, well, wait a minute. So you're going to let a nursing home outbreak close down a whole county? It seems uh, asswise backwards to me, and it's not logical medically or, or epidemiologically. And they have to understand that it could be the AIDS, as I have said, who, who were bringing it into the homes to begin with. And I think that's part of the, of the investigation of the epidemic. But in either case, these are big, big discussions that need, to be, uh, that need to happen. And your article is, science says it's time to start easing the lockdowns. I agree with you 100%, and your logic is flawless. And although it was a popular article in the New York Post, I'm glad to hear that people are listening to a man of your scientific magnitude, frankly. Okay, well, let's hope that things improve quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that you're on the task force sooner than later. Dr. Atlas, thanks for being with us on The Savage Nation. Thank you. What a great guy, right? Smart. It's a pleasure listening to someone who knows what he's talking about. He's a scientist who says it's time to reopen the schools and selectively reopen the country. And as you well know, I agree with that. I've been trying to say the same thing for weeks now. Maybe they'll listen to him. Uh, Maybe we've all learned something. But when a man has written more than 120 scientific publications in leading journals, when he's a former professor and chief of neuroradiology at Stanford Med Center from 98 to 2012, when he's written textbooks in the field that have been translated into many languages, he knows what he is talking about. 
And I think it's time for the task force to listen to some people outside of government who are as brilliant as he is and reopen this nation before there's nothing to reopen for. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Listen, we're in weird times. What if a medical emergency arises? Are you really prepared? Everyone says, oh, it'll never happen to me. But it can when you least expect it. In a medical emergency, air MedCare network providers can transport you or a family member to the nearest hospital. And if you're a member, you'll see no out-of-pocket costs related to your air flight. That's right. You won't pay a dime when transported by an AMCN provider. You should know health insurance may not cover the full cost of emergency medical transport. And even with comprehensive coverage, you could still get hit with substantial deductibles and co-pays. Pay attention. Sign up for an Air MedCare Network membership. AMCN is the largest air ambulance membership network with more than 3 million members, including me. You heard me right. This costs as little as $85 for your entire household and protects you whether you're at home or traveling. For $85, can you afford not to have this? Right now, as part of The Savage Nation, you'll get up to a $50 gift card when you join AMCN. Please, for the sake of yourself and your family, go to the special website, airmedcarenetwork.com savage, and use code savage. It's simple. airmedcarenetwork.com savage, and then use code savage. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Fakers passing as politicians. It's unbelievable to me how everything has become fake and bad. You know, there used to be a saying, question authority. I didn't know whether it was liberal or conservative in the Bay Area of San Francisco, which always considered itself to be so far ahead of everyone. People drove around with license plates and placards and bumper stickers. And they used to say, question authority. I didn't know whether that was a liberal saying or a conservative saying or a libertarian saying. But I always questioned authority. And now when I question authority, I'm attacked by the right and the left. And what's interesting to me is that the left is complying with authority. The left has become the sheeple, the ultimate sheeple. They were told to stay home and cower in place, and they did. They never questioned why. They never said, wait a minute, maybe Governor Newsom has it wrong. Maybe Governor Newsom shouldn't have closed the whole state down just because pockets of homeless Uh, And those in certain ethnic communities seem to be the areas where the epidemic is breaking out. But I'll shut everything down because Newsom got it wrong. And on a national level, look at New York State. It's no better. How long have I been saying? What, What are you doing, Governor Cuomo? Why are you shutting down upstate New York when you know and I know it's mainly in the boroughs and also within the boroughs at certain places? So now people are saying, oh, it's time to start easing the lockdowns. For four weeks, I've been saying selective quarantine, selective quarantine, selective quarantine. I have been emailing President Trump. I've been emailing Governor Newsom. I'm saying open up the counties that have almost zero COVID-19 or more specifically SARS-CoV-2, if you want to call it correctly. So now we're hearing we're having selective rolling reopenings. Exactly what I've been advising for over four weeks. But I'm going to ask you, the audience, do you think it's time to reopen America all at once? And what are we all living through right now? What are we living through? What is relevant in your life other than getting back to work and making a living? But let me give you a little uh, story about that. I know a man who owns some supermarkets. He said when this first hit and he needed employees, he, he had trouble beating them away. Hey, everybody wanted a job. And then the stimulus program came along and it said, in addition to the unemployment insurance that you're going to get, the idiotic socialist federal government is going to give you another six hundred dollars a week. 
He said people don't want the jobs anymore. Nobody wants to work. Nobody really wants to work on the bottom. Do you understand that? Because of the $600 on top of the unemployment insurance? But wait, if you think that that's crazy, and it is pretty crazy, to disencourage people from working, we have an enemy within this country, several of them, and it starts with Nancy Pelosi. She's totally insane. She's deranged. She's more crazy than, uh, than Biden. I'm going to play some of her sound bites where she's quoting the gospel of Matthew in calling for all federal prisoners to be released in the midst of this. Wait, it gets even crazier. Another psychopathic Democrat, this one an overt America hater, this uh, Rashida Tlaib, says that workers must organize and push back against reopening the economy. You heard me right. Here is an enemy within who should be deported as far as I'm concerned. Listen to her in clip six. You got to hear this. Listen to this. If you are afraid to go to work, do not go to work. And I know this is hard, but you have no right. You have every right to make sure your life is put first and to fight back. I don't care if it's labor organizing this late in the game or if it's demanding that your life is not treated as if it's disposable. But I want you not to be afraid to go to work. You should not at all ever feel like I don't care if it's a president. I don't care who it is that tells you we need you to go back. We need you to start up back the economy and everything. Your life is much more important. This is a Democrat. I am speechless to believe this woman is not immediately taken out of Congress, arrested for sedition. I've never heard anything like this. Now, but there's on the other side, large troubled companies got bailout money and small business loan program. You want to hear about corruption on the other side? You want to hear about it? Because I don't think you want to hear about this. I can ask you, do you think it's time to reopen the, the, the businesses and go back? And we can argue over that. Some places, yes. Some places, no. But I want to ask you something. Do you think it was fair? Of course it isn't fair. They should be in jail. Do you know that whoever wrote the rules on this bailout, you know how much the bailout was? I'll give you some names in a few minutes. The vast economic rescue package that President T signed into law last month included $349 billion in low-interest loans for small businesses. It was the so-called Paycheck Protection Program, and it was supposed to help prevent small companies, generally those with fewer than 500 employees in the United States only, from capsizing as the economy sank into what looks like a severe depression, right? And the loan program was meant for companies that could not finance themselves through regular means like raising money uh, in the markets or borrowing from banks or getting credit lines, right? Now, the law required that the federal money comes at a very low 1% interest rate. Some cases doesn't ever have to be paid back. And it should be spent on things like payroll or rent for small businesses. But tell me what happened. What happened is giant, giant companies hired lobbyists who went to congressmen who are gangsters and criminals in office in some cases, actually many more than some cases, and they gave the loans to giant companies. Large companies got the money. Who got the money? Guess what? They wrote the law. They wrote the law stating that the government does not have to disclose who gets the money. It leaves it up to individual companies to decide whether they want to disclose that they obtained loans. Well, what does that mean? Well, applicants for loans did not even have to provide evidence that they had been harmed by the pandemic. All they had to do was certify that, quote, current economic uncertainty makes this loan request necessary to support their operations. And instead of going to the SBA, the Small Business Administration, which is guaranteeing the loans, and let the SBA decide which companies get the funding, listen to this. The gangsters in Congress essentially outsourced this entire program to banks. And the banks collect fees for each loan they make. But the banks do not have to monitor whether the recipients use the money appropriately. Now, who wrote these lax corrupt rules? Please don't tell me that you know who wrote these corrupt rules. We know a few of them. Uh, let me give you a few names. A company in Georgia paid $6.5 million 
to resolve a Justice Department investigation. And two weeks later, the same company received a $10 million federally backed loan to help it survive the coronavirus crisis. Isn't that nice? Another company, AutoWeb, disclosed last week that it had paid its chief executive $1.7 million in 2019. That's a week after it received $1.4 million from the same loan program. Are you ready for more? And Intelinetics, a software company in Ohio, got $838,000 from the government program and then agreed the following week to spend at least $300,000 to purchase a rival firm. Do you understand what's going on here? Now, I know stories inside the media that will make your hair stand up. I know stories about COOs who leave companies that are teetering on bankruptcy, take millions of dollars in funds, and then leave the company and never pay it back. You want to hear those stories? Do you have any idea how rife these programs are with corruption? You say you don't care, you just want to get back to work, and I really don't. I don't really don't blame you. I look around here in the San Francisco area, I see people on boats, running, walking, sailing, bicycling, like they're on a vacation. And in, in a sense, this is sort of an enforced vacation so far, isn't it? It doesn't really seem like there's a national crisis. After all, the Nazis are not at the gates. It's not Stalingrad, is it? It's not Stalingrad. I mean, we're really not suffering very much. Big old Uncle Sam is going to bail us out. We have unlimited money, money to burn. They'll print as much as we need. But then you see distant warning systems coming up. They may have to kill 2 million chickens because no one's buying them. They may have to kill 200,000 pigs. They may have to kill millions of cattle. Are you listening to these stories? Kill the cattle, kill the pigs, kill the chickens. Farmers are plowing their crops under. Do you have any idea that the economic bomb has gone off, but you haven't yet feel, felt, have not felt the shock waves from this bomb? You're not going to feel them for three to six months. Vegetables plowed under, pigs killed, cattle killed, chickens killed. Who is running these things? Who? Insanity is running everything. Now, you say, well, what would you do about it, Big Shot? Well, how about common sense? You're going to kill 200,000 pigs because there's no market for them. Couldn't the government purchase the pigs and have them slaughtered and have the meat frozen? Isn't that a possibility? Couldn't the meat from these poor animals be given to nations that are starving right now? There's still starvation on earth or marginally survival, marginal survivalists around. It's the same with the chickens. Why did they have to kill the chickens and, th and, and plow them under? Why can't they kill the chickens and process the chickens? Why? Well, you say there's no one to process the chickens. Nobody wants to work in a slaughterhouse. Nobody wants to work in a, um, a chicken slaughterhouse. Nobody wants to do this. Nobody wants to do that. And if you're giving them $600 a week, why do they want to work? Tell me. But then on the other hand, we have much to uh, thank ourselves for. We have Nancy Pelosi, who is a religious woman, a very religious woman. And she quotes the Gospel of Matthew, wanting all federal prisoners to be released. Listen to her in clip one if you want to hear what insanity is. Well, in our, uh, in our caucus, uh, we are very devoted to the Gospel of Matthew. When I was oh, hungry, God. you fed me. When I was homeless, you sheltered me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Oh, and so Lord. this for us is a part of our value system. Oh, and our, especially under the leadership of our Congressional Black Caucus, Karen Bass, Barbara Lee, Listen and others, uh, th there has been a, a real focus on this. Uh, we will have language being developed by the Judiciary Committee to have some order and clarity uh, so that some people can leave who do really don't need to be there. So she's now going to override the judges and release federal prisoners who are in federal prison and put them on the streets. Uh, you can only shake your head and say it's far more than the virus right now. The virus of corruption, the virus of greed, the virus of total insanity has raged across the land. And what will be left when all settles down? I read in the San Francisco Chronicle an article by Willie Brown that I will share with you. He, of course, is the power broker of the state of California very well known in the Democrat circles. And he wrote this. It's very interesting if you listen to the language. Conservative talk radio star Michael Savage has been named to Presidio Trust's 
board of directors by President Trump. The White House announced Savage's appointment under his non-stage name on March 26th, which happens to have been House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's 80th birthday. (laughs) That's a coincidence. Savage is a longtime critic of Pelosi, and you could see his appointment as a backhanded presidential present for the San Francisco Democrat, who was a leading force in transforming the former military base into a national park. Willie goes on and says, I've known Michael for years. Well, he will be reflective of everything conservatives would want on that board. But he also has a conservationist streak developed in part from his years of studying and collecting plants. Now, listen to the kicker. Willie Brown writes this. Happy birthday, Nancy. This is one gift that is not returnable. Can estrogen and other sex hormones help men survive COVID-19? Interesting article. Did you know that women outsurvive men all through the life cycle? Now, even if they get it, it's usually mild, whether from China, Italy, or the U.S. Women are less likely to become ill and far more likely to survive. So they're looking at sex hormones. It's an interesting uh, uh, theory. And last week, doctors on Long Island and New York started treating COVID-19 patients with estrogen to see if it would increase the immune systems. And next week, physicians in L.A. will start treating male patients with another hormone that is predominantly found in women, progesterone, which has anti-inflammatory properties and could potentially prevent harmful overreactions of the immune system. But you see, they're not sure it's the hormones. It's a complicated article. You have to really read it, study it. And I'm sure that most of you don't have the time or the implication. You're not going to read it. You just won't read it. If I said any more than this, you turn the radio off and start listening to uh, something else. I, I understand that. I mean, maybe one out of 100 of you want to hear the rest of that story. Because hormones may fail to be the magic bullet. Because elderly women with COVID-19 are outliving their male peers. And elderly women, as you know, have a drastic reduction in levels of hormones for women after menopause. So it may not be the hormones. So what is it? It's something. The ladies are doing better. And speaking of the ladies, this is a very big announcement for those of you in the LGBT community that may make you very happy. Uh, This is a very big announcement for those of you in the Arab world, of whom I may have zero listeners. Tunisia may have become the first Arab country to recognize gay marriage. Jerusalem Post, the Tunisian LGBTQ organization Shams, announced on its Facebook page Friday that the Republic of Tunisia has recognized same-sex marriage. That's very interesting because it is an Arab Muslim country. And uh, so far as I know, uh, this is kind of not something that Rashida Talab would, would approve of. Uh, you have to ask her, though, what she thinks of gay marriage because Rashida Talab, as you well know, is a big mouth with regard to everything American. And I wonder where she stands in LGBTQ stuff. Hmm. Who knows? Michael Savage, a host like no other. Listen to this. You try that. That is how he comes in with it. Gee, how does he do that? Well, they're dead. No one does that anymore. Great music. Speaking of great music and great jazz music, I was watching Homeland last night, a stiff of the worst order. A stiff, a stinker. You know, that Claire Danes is so bad as an actress. The next stop will be a reality show. And after that, she can do a car show. You know, when they fail in reality shows, the next stop for an actress is a a car show. They put on tight jeans. They lean over a hood. uh, They touch a wire and go, my, my, and they show you their bum. That's the the car show with the guys with the crack beards behind. I know. That's the... Claire Dane's awful. How long could she play that act of the schizo? Terrible. And the worst person in that show, Homeland, on HBO is that guy Saul, that communist. I don't like him. I don't like his politics. That's true. But I would I would override. I know that he's a left-wing nutcase. Okay, classic. Millionaire, multi-millionaire, but still making believe he's a, a, a downtrodden uh, person who lost a relative in the, in the triangle of shirtwaist fire. So I don't like him. He's He just doesn't strike me as anything. What's that guy's name who plays uh, Saul? You know, Potemkin, Potemkin. I know they say Potemkin, but to me, he's like the Potemkin. To me, he's like the battleship Potemkin of ac- actors. Horrible. He walks with his chest out like they trained him to look uh, like he's military. The guy in there with the big beard. The arm, the shoulders are back, his chest is out. He walks like a little martinet. Terrible. 
the wise Saul, the great wise Saul, horrible. But at the end of it, they played some jazz music in Homeland. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I don't know if they even get cable. Do my listeners get cable or they all cut it off? I know radio is free, so they listen to it. But is there anyone out there who listens to K- uh, who got HBO and Homeland? No. Is there anyone amongst my listeners who knows what Netflix is? If you know what Netflix is, what are you watching on Netflix? Everyone's like home doing nothing. You can't work. How many times can you walk around the block with your wife? How many times? How many times can you do this till you crack up? Whatever happened to question authority? I have never seen a nation like this in my entire life. I never read about it. An entire nation bowled over by a few petty bureaucrats listening to everything as though it's the gospel. Today I was on my bicycle, isolated really area, not a country area, but no one's around. And I see a middle-aged woman with a mask on. I had to stop finally. I said, honey, you can't get it in the air. And she said, oh, oh, oh. Do you realize what this tells us about the average American? And it's mainly liberals who have caved into this, by the way. You know, there are only six free states in the country. There are only six free states in America. They are the states that never locked down. They are Kansas, Iowa, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming. They never closed down. They're the only free states in America. Kansas, Iowa, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Utah, Wyoming. They never closed their states down. Never. It's fictional to believe that we're going through this level of conformity and rolling over to authority. Question authority used to be a motto here in America. There's no questioning of authority. Whatever they tell you, you do. If they told you to jump off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? You know, it's why at times in the past when I've hit stone walls politically or emotionally or mentally, I wrote fiction, and some of it was pretty good. I wrote a thing in the early 80s called Xenon, X-E-N-O-N, and I'm going to read you a little uh, blurb on it. If you go to michaelsavage.com, you can see a book cover for Xenon, which I painted, one of my primitive watercolors, and it's a Kindle edition. It costs a few bucks. It's not going to change my lifestyle one way or the other, but it may entertain you. It also may shock you and frighten you. And what is it about? What is Xenon about? Here it is. I'll give you a little synopsis. Enter the future world state, an anti-utopian new world run by militant F-A-T-A-S-S-E-S, F-S-S's, who castrate males, assign them life mates who are transsexual, keeping the unclipped, quote, natural women for the state security forces, S-S-F, to assist the women in charge, W-I-C. State mind-bogglers, S-M's, delete memories, and secretly use state gas stores of the noble gases, that's noble, not Nobel, the noble, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist, the noble gases to remolecularize their minds, argon, freon, helium, krypton, neon, radon, and xenon. Envisioned and written in the early 1980s, this prophetic fantasy forecast is Michael Savage's semi-serious alarm of a nightmarish future. In the new world, there are no natural free people. This science fiction adventure is considered a masterpiece of wit and dark humor that accurately predicted the direction of the femme-dominated Stalinist states emerging in former Western democracies. Was I wrong? Jim, Jim knows I wasn't wrong. We are there. We are there. If they told you to do this, you jump off a bridge. Jump off a bridge. I finally got one. All this talk and one caller, can you believe it? I know that you're listening. Many of you are passive and you listen and you love me and you want to just hear me ramble on and Sometimes I'm brilliant, sometimes I'm funny, sometimes I'm irrelevant, sometimes I'm quite relevant. But in any case, I'm here to entertain you, and that's what you want. We're living in bad times right now. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. I mean, the food chain supply is breaking down. We haven't felt it yet. What if we wake up in three months, six months, and the, and we see the results of killing the pigs, killing the cows, killing the chickens, and there's no no pork? No poultry, no meat in the market. What's going to happen then? I know the hippies will say it's better for everyone's health. I get that. That's what you're going to hear. Then the greenies are going to say we finally have the Green New Deal we've been wishing for, which they do, by the way. Incidentally, they have the Green New Deal. We're actually living through the Green New Deal. This is what it will be like. You'll be walking endlessly with your wife and children, 
and not have $10 in your pocket unless it comes from the government. That's the Green New Deal. Of course, eventually, someone has to pay for it, as Margaret Thatcher famously said. Socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. And apparently, we are now all socialists, which I did a podcast on about a month ago. We are now all socialists. So don't sit here saying to me, you're a conservative, you believe in small government. There is no small government anymore. It's over for the rest of your life. So tell me what you believe in as a conservative. I really want to know. Tell me what is left of your once conservative mantra. There's no small government. We're living in gigantic government. We're living in a socialist government right now. What is left of the conservative movement? Tell me what it might be. Okay, I can give you some ideas. I started by saying borders, language, culture. Okay, well, to me, family, family values, patriotism are eternal truths that will ride through any storm. Patriotism, family values will ride through poverty, ride through disease, will ride through anything. But don't talk to me about the old mantra of limited government. Don't keep repeating the crap you heard from the Reagan era, Reagan era, limited government. What does that mean anymore? Nothing. That's all. So what are you watching on TV? Here's a good caller. He's got nothing to do in Las Vegas. They closed the tables down. Uh, Roberto, Las Vegas, line one. Go ahead. I'm, on, uh, I'm, I'm interested in what you're, you're going to say. At least you got Netflix. You're one of my only uh, members of the audience who has a cable TV in his house. Yeah, I'm here. This is Roberto. Yes. And uh, we finally did cancel Netflix now because uh, we just had enough of the occult, the LGBT, and just the anti-Christian shows they had. No, it's gotten bad. I've been watching a show called Ozark. It's so dark, I'm having nightmares from it. I quit watching it. I quit watching. Uh, did, did you watch? Did you watch Ozark on Netflix? Yes, I did. I watched the whole first season. Can you believe how bad it gets? One segment after another, murder, mayhem, killing, blood. It's frightening. Yeah, they fried a guy uh, and his brother right there, and they burned to death and lit up on fire and burned flesh and all that. It's just, it's just horrible. But the yeah, it, it, it produced nightmares in me. I'm not going to watch any more of the crap. Me too. Total nightmare stuff. I had. All right, so we're through with Netflix till we're not. Till we're not. Uh, what are you watching on Netflix? Anyway, there's another person who actually has a cable TV in their house. I'll bet it's even in color. Jim, would you believe it? I have another listener who might have a color TV. It's hard to believe. Here's a guy in Nebraska has a color TV with a cable connection. I can't believe this. Come on, guys. Can't you understand what sarcasm is? Must you take everything so seriously like it's against you? This is what's happened in America. This is the terrible truth. If I criticized hydroxychloroquine because I knew the science more than anyone else in the media, and I got up there first and very bravely said, not so fast, it does this, it does that. Then I had an expert. Do you know that many of you attacked me for being anti-Trump when it had nothing to do with Trump? Why do you assume that if I give you the science connected to a drug that was dangerous, it was anti-Trump? Why do you make that assumption? Which leads me to the next statement. It's why I am no longer on social media. You may not know this because many of you listen to the radio and you're not on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I uh, terminated it on temporary suspension on Sunday. I had enough of the idiots. And I posted something that I'll read to you because I put it on my free site, michaelsavage.com, and I put up a, a notice. And here's the notice. It says, temporarily closed owing to the low IQ vicious haters who live on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Michael Savage is suspending his posts. Visit him at michaelsavage.com. He will no longer cast pearls before swine. His radio program can be streamed on all streaming sites. So people say, oh, you can't take the heat. Oh, I can take the heat. If I were arguing facts with people, I'd be glad to stay on it. But I was getting anti-Semitic Nazi scum. I was getting people attacking my family. And I didn't want to put up with it anymore. And I don't believe I am obligated to put up with you low-life scum who think that because you can type six letters, you're my equal. You're not equal to the dog droppings on the bottom of my shoe after I walk through a pigsty. I think I've said enough about social media. It's filth and garbage, by and large. Twitter is the sewer pipe of the mind. And I'm not going to sit and take my intellect and my education and waste it on you anymore. And that's why I'm off. And the only place you're going to get anything that I think is of value to you or of entertainment value to you is right here on the airwaves 
or you can see my stuff on michaelsavage.com. But you can take Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and shove it. It's for people whose minds are not developed. And I don't care that the world leaders are now using it to set policy. It doesn't matter to me. I do not want to suffer fools because I don't suffer fools gladly. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. You know, uh, when famine comes, and it could come to this country, I don't know how the people will survive. We are the most spoiled people on the planet. 20 years of imbecilic newspaper reading. 20 years of empty-headed moronic women with abs and breasts. 20 years of lunkheads showing their abs, and we think that that's, that's the, the epitome of human existence, is whether or not a person can show you their abs or their, or their bum or their breasts. I've never seen anything like it. And I blame Rupert Murdoch for most of it. He isn't the, he's in the only one, but he made his fortune by basically putting the burlesque theater onto a newspaper. And as a result, the mind is destroyed in America, completely warped. Uh, there were people before him. And then you have the communists on the other side peddling Marxism like it's something wonderful, not telling you about the 100 million deaths that result or the famine or starvation. I don't think this country is strong enough to take famine. I don't think the country is strong enough to take anything, frankly. I don't know how the country survives. I know there are pockets of strength. They produce our sons that go to war. But by and large, the country is weak. It's made of nothing. It's mush. Old women walking around with, with COVID masks on in the middle of a, an airy yacht harbor, thinking that it's in the air. They're going to get it from the miasma. The women don't even know what Lewinhook is. They never understood that a microscope in the 1600s by Lewinhook showed, showed what a germ was. They still think it flies around in the air like a miasma, bad air. This is the nation. One nation under, uh, one nation under Newsom, indivisible, with no liberty and no justice for all. That's the country. They rolled over. I've been begging him. I've been begging Trump, open it up slowly. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Idiots enjoying themselves. They've got people calling saying they're having a good time with the COVID, walking around. Everything is fun in the Bay Area. Everybody has to have fun. Everyone wants to have fun. Here's an interesting question, though, that I can't seem to answer. Why does India have so few COVID-19 cases and deaths? People are asking this question. You can give comedic answers, but uh, India has four times more people than the U.S., over a billion people, last I checked, but only 2% of the number of cases and only 1.5% of the number of COVID deaths. So how has India whose per capita income is just a tenth of the U.S., avoided being flattened by the pandemic. Does anyone have an answer to that? No one knows. They're coming up with different ideas. They say India may have protective characteristics against COVID-19. Researchers have proposed that the low share of elderly in the population, meaning there's not a lot of old people, the high temperature and humidity in India, but I don't know if that's true. Then they say widespread BCG vaccination for TB or uh, resistance to malaria may have helped India escape the brunt of the pandemic. No one knows the answer. We know that the first infected travelers from China reached Kerala, southwest India, on January 29th. And Kerala, India, acted quickly and contained the potential outbreak. But more carriers from there reached other states by early March. But they don't know the reason why there's such a low low, uh, incidence in India. Is there someone from India who thinks they know the answer to this? Is it the diet? Is it genetics? 
Does anyone have an idea? I don't know. I don't have an answer. You can give, you know, like comedic answers, but uh, there may be not a, may not be a simple answer. Is it the hotter temperatures that may slow the virus? There is evidence uh, that is somewhat consistent with this theory. Countries with latitudes between 30 to 50 degrees above or below the equator and average temperatures between 5 and 11 degrees Celsius thus far have borne a higher burden from COVID. But some preliminary research shows that India may face higher transmission rates during the monsoon, which is India's flu season. Humidity may play a role. Studies have found varying results on its importance as a factor. Uh, a new study at Harvard has suggested that COVID-19 may not go away in warm weather as colds do because significant parts of the population remain vulnerable to the virus. I mean, you look at the outbreak in New Orleans, right? There's high humidity and it's hot. They still had an outbreak. So something is going on. There's universal BCG vaccination in India that uh, may explain it. And it seems that countries with BCV vaccination appear so far to have less transmission these countries are also warmer, have younger populations, and they are poorer. And it could be that they haven't tested enough people. But ultimately, they say India's relatively light exposure to COVID-19 remains a puzzle. No one knows the answer. I certainly don't. Do you? And now let's go on to the other stories that we've been talking about, which is entertainment, television, what you're watching on TV, and um can't they stop it? Can't the low-life starlets and the, the, the empty-headed goons with the barbell stop already showing us their, their abs and their behinds? I can't stand it. Can't the country outgrow these, these schmucks, these nobodies, these zeros, these empty heads? You know, all these jerks who do a reality show, then the reality show is canceled. What's for them next? A striptease in the New York Post looking to get a car show? Where she can lean over the hood of a car poking at a, at a wire while displaying her jeans from behind with some guy with like a crack beard behind her, a crank beard. I hate those beards, those skimpy beards. Sorry, it's probably the basic, the core of my listenership. I shouldn't say that. I'm Come on, I just got to let out some steam here. Homeland, thank God it's over. Did it stink? Boy, did that show stink. Can Claire Danes leave us alone with the schizo face already? That any minute she's going to have another nervous breakdown. Do I care? How many times can they? How many years did you waste watching that show? What garbage. And I watch. I'm never going to watch the end. I watched it. I shouldn't have. I knew I should. Nightmares from it. Uh, Ozark on, on Netflix. There's nothing. Then there's another one I was watching. Every one of them bums me out. Even the Israeli show Fauda stank in season three. I, I can't I, I can't explain it. Season one of the Israeli Secret Service, you know, was great. Season two was okay. Season three was, I don't know already. Something about the lead star who was really a member of the Israeli Secret Service uh, as, as a hero making love to a Oh, please. Did they have to show, you know, the Israelis cannot make a, a movie showing any romance in it. It doesn't work. They're good at war. They could show war. They could show uh, depression, angst. Uh, things like that are good in Israeli movies. But when they try to show lovemaking or love, forget about it. They're not into it. They're not Italy. On the other hand, Italy can, do, can only do love movies. Uh, they can never do a war movie in Italy. It's impossible. But uh, it's just cultural. It's a cultural difference. So what are you watching? Or well, what do you want to say today on The Savage Nation? Got some good calls in this. People finally want to talk about entertainment. They're sick and tired of talking about the lockdowns, the unlockdowns, the locks on lockdowns. What are you eating on lockdowns? Is it a lockdown or a lockdown? You can't even get a good locks anymore anyway. What's the difference? It's all in a package made by some Ghanifin in, in Texas, not in Brooklyn. But forget about it. The food that I'm eating is totally different now. What are you going to do? Kill all the pigs. Okay, I don't eat pig. I'm not kosher, but I don't eat pig. You know why I don't eat pig? I feel bad for the pig. They're too intelligent. I don't eat pig. Another animal I don't eat. I don't like eating a lobster because I think of the lobster, how smart it is. I don't want to eat it. So I stopped eating. I can't think like the consciousness of the animals getting into me. So, okay, say I'm getting older and I'm thinking... I'm not alone. I know a guy who fought in six wars. He can take you and wrap you around his finger. Don't tell me it's weakness to have sympathy for animals, please. I know a guy who fought in six wars, killed a lot of people, and he said he won't, he won't eat anything that was living. So don't tell me that because I'm feeling these things, I'm weak. 
This is part of the stupidity of the fake conservative movement, the so-called great Americans out there belching in their cardiac wards. I can't stand it anymore. I'm a great American. No, you're a great American. No, I'm a great American. No, you're a great American. No, I'm a great American. No, you're a great American. No, Sri Bob. Sympathy for the devil is what it comes down to. Las Vegas, David, thanks for calling. What's on your mind, David? Hey, I'm watching a show called The Plot Against America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, pr- I promoted it two weeks ago. You like it? It's, I think it's pretty good, but they, there's a lot of similarities to Trump. They make Lindbergh seem like Trump. and they- Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I stopped watching. I'm glad you saw that. David, I watched it by accident, The Plot Against America, and I thought it was so literate. It was written so well. I didn't know why. Then I realized it was based on the Philip Roth novel, which I went and bought, right? So the first two or three were superb. But then I started to see what they were doing, exactly what you said. Go on, elucidate more. Yeah, well, they've, you know, it's into the seventh, the seventh episode now, so now they've gotten kind of past that a little bit. So I'm interested to see if it's going to remain. But, you know, I like... Right, Lin- Lindbergh, they make believe Lindbergh, by the way, a true American hero, one of America's great heroes. They turn him into a quasi-Nazi, incidentally, because he was an isolationist. They try to make believe he was he was a, a Nazi sympathetic to Hitler. And yeah. that's number one. First, they smear a true American hero, Charles Lindbergh. Uh, number two, they don't even show the kidnapping of his infant child and, and his and his and his murder. They leave that out because it might have created a little sympathy. So that was the beginning of the of the yellow journalism of it. But then I started to see what they were doing. Lindbergh ran on a Republican ticket against the great FDR in their mind, the great FDR, and, and then to try to show that, yes, I can hear the Make America Great Again analogies and, yeah, the crossover to Trump. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I stopped watching after four. I couldn't take it anymore. But I love the sets in the beginning, the family, the hardworking insurance salesman father, the two kids, the mother, you know, and the fear and all that, living in this isolated Jewish community in, in Newark, New Jersey in 1939. The cars... The teacups, the dresses, you know, I, I kind of related to that. It was so well staged. I mean, what do you call it? Set The set director, whoever who does that stuff, who, the costume designers. Wow, are they good, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, what else are you watching that's worth watching? Yeah, another one is Westworld on HBO. That one's pretty crazy. I, others have told me about it. I've never liked the original Westworld with the bald guy. Yul, wasn't Yul Brynner in the first Westworld movie? Yeah, but I couldn't. I didn't like. What's so good about Westworld? It makes you think about what if you met your creator and your creator wasn't as smart as you. Say it again. If what? So, so the premise to me is: what if you met your creator and your creator <laughs> was not as smart? as you? Oh God! Don't say that. That's my worst nightmare. I meet God and I'm smarter than him. <laughs> yeah, you're smarter than your creator. Oh no, that's imp- that can only be written by a communist from Hollywood. <laughs> no, that's fabulous. I hope God's listening. I hope he gives me an extra couple of years for that one. Thank you, God. No, come on. Who could write that but a whacked out drug addict from Hollywood? Who could come up with that one? Only he would think that he dies. And what, is, what if he's smarter than God? I love that. That's so great. What a great. <laughs> that's funny. That is really good. I never. Who else could write that but some guy from Hollywood who stoned all of his all of the time? OK, Texas. Let's go to Texas now. The sun, the sun shines east, the sun shines west, deep in the heart of Texas. Jim's laughing because my guys are in Texas. They're in Dallas. I look at them every day here on Skype. Jim's running the the, uh, the calls. Robert's running the board. It's like I'm in the room with them. But thank God that we can't get COVID from each other. We've been working at home for years now. I never met, I never met them. I'm working with them for five years. I never met either of them. Never. This is beautiful because I don't care what they're wearing, really. I could see a little bit from the Skype camera, but I don't care if they're eating. I don't smell the food. Uh, and I, we won't get into the other you know, stuff that human beings are known for. Because I, I originally started in radio on KSFO, and it was a dirty studio. Always oh, it filthy in the old days. Oh, God. And I followed someone who left it like a stink house. I, have to, I used to have to go in there. I had four minutes between the time this person left and I sat in the chair. I refused to sit in her chair. I made them wheel another chair in because I felt like I was going to die if I sat in that chair of stink. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. I can't stand other people's body odors. So I've been working at home on, uh, <laughs> from a distance for many years now. It's actually a pleasure. Just me alone in the house. I have only me to blame if I don't like what I'm seeing or smelling. 
<laughs> Jim, you know I'm not ridiculing, right? You know that we get along great. I'd love to take you guys out for pizza and beer tonight, but unfortunately we can't do it. Uh, what do you think? What's going on? There's another one calling about another Netflix show. No one wants to do the serious stuff. Like, is it time to end the, lo- end to end the lockdown? Which companies are ripping off the loan program? You don't really care about that. Uh, a Virginia preacher believed God can heal anything that he caught coronavirus. See, this is a, it's a sad story. But no, God cannot heal anything. No, I'm sorry. I told you that when I wrote God, Faith, and Reason. You see, you don't understand what I was trying to say. If you hear that I wrote a book called God, Faith, and Reason, you think I'm like a trying to sell you on a religion or a belief system. It's not what I did in the book, which is why it's a work of genius that, that should win every prize possible. But I'm not a politician. God, Faith, and Reason is a book that says the man who wrote it is looking for God and never found him. But he's never given up looking. And it's about a man who says he's never met God. He's seen snapshots, but not the movie, right? And I then write about the power of the searcher, because to me, the search is the success. That's all. I believe in the higher power. It doesn't mean I met the higher power, nor do I want to sell anything to you based upon the higher power. I've had glimpses of God. That's all. Nothing else. So for Nancy Pelosi to get back to my bet noir, to quote the Gospel of Matthew as though you believe a word that this woman prays to God? How could she get away with this? When she says she quotes the Gospel of Matthew in calling for federal prisoners to be released from, from prison, I never saw anything like this. She prays, by the way. Listen to her in clip two. You're not going to believe the madness of Queen Nancy. Listen to O2. But first, let me just say, watching your report and the rest, uh, how much we pray for everyone in our Again, country, pray. those who have lost their lives. When businesses are opening, I, I, I don't know. I think that's unfortunate because we're not protecting the investment that we have made. But that's a choice. Are you listening? And I to pray this? for those people, too, that they do not get sick. So this is always very, very sad. Well, I think when she says pray, she may be telling the truth, but she's spelling it a different way. I think she prays on those people, P-R-E-Y. I don't think she P-R-A-Ys for them. She prays on the stupid in San Francisco. She prays on the idiot liberals who think that she means does good for them. She's classic liberal. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. So we're talking about should everything be reopened? And I'm saying question authority. And I don't see anyone other than the militia types. They're the only ones that have been questioning authority. And um, there's a middle ground. I've been trying to preach the middle ground, and I get slammed on both sides by that. The middle ground is you reopen the states. You reopen the counties that have low or no uh, COVID uh, uh, disease. But the governors, it's an all or nothing approach. One size fits all to Governor Newsom. And I've been communicating with his office. He's open to listening. I try to communicate with the Trump people. I get like a dead letter box. And frankly, I know more about it than Fauci does. Fauci is a 40-year hack of the uh, NIH. He was a failure during the AIDS epidemic. He's nothing but a politician. He would close the country down forever just to hold on to his power. He's like a Soviet Politburo member, a health minister who suddenly has all his power and he doesn't want to let go of it. Dr. Scoff, same thing, an unknown bureaucrat from the uh, woodwork. She's going to control whether you go back to work or not, right? For four weeks, I've been saying doing a rolling reopening. Stop this madness of one size fits all, right? Is it time to reopen everything? And we just had a man on who brought us science and logic on the savage nation saying it's time to start easing the lockdowns. And I don't want to sit here and say, yeah, I was right. Of course I've been right. But I have no political pull. They don't listen to you unless you have some kind of juice or grease uh, in the wheels of politics. It's not run by logic. It's not run by decency. It's not run by the common good at all. So there it is. That's the story. So if you're a small business suffering and you can't get a dime, welcome to the club. It's because you can't buy your way in, whether it's into the state or into the federal government. And we've talked about that. And I really feel bad for the people with the small businesses who are 
going to lose their businesses while large trouble companies got bailout money that was meant specifically for you. They stole it, in other words. They robbed the money that was meant for you. And uh, here we are. Carol, you'll have the last word before I close the show. You're calling from Texas, Carol. What's on your mind? Carol, are you there? No, I... Yes, Mr. Savage, thank you very much. I oh. wish I knew what to say. Uh, I feel uh, like I, uh, it is definitely time to reopen America, and uh, they never, it should have never been shut down to the degree it was and all over in the places that it has been. It has caused uh, 30- and 40-year uh, businesses uh, that it took to build to go out of business will never see them open their doors again. I don't care how much taxpayers' money that they throw at them. I don't want to focus I, I agree you're right. I agree with you. Family businesses that were handed down will be destroyed forever. Now we read the food supply chain is breaking according to Tyson Foods as they've had to close their plants. When is that ever going to come back? If they slaughter millions of cattle, millions of birds, uh, millions of pigs, how are we ever going to get that food back into the chain? It will not come back. It will not come back. It will not. And, you know, look, people just want to think tomorrow, and I, Carol, we're out of time. People are going to say, I don't want to hear negative news. I just want to go roller skating tonight. I want to go running around the block like all will be well. I wish that were true. But believe me, I will leave you with an adage I learned when I was a young boy by reading Aldous Huxley, which is, in times of strength, prepare for times of weakness. In times of strength, prepare for times of weakness. I have preached that to my children since they're little children. In times of strength, prepare for times of weakness. You can only visit me at michaelsavage.com. I am off social media. Goodbye, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Go to michaelsavage.com. Thanks for listening. God bless America. The Westwood One Podcast Network.